Star Trek Discovery, the newest Star Trek show, taking us back into space and the search for the unknown. These are the recaps of the Front Row Network. Join us as we are discovering Star Trek. And now your captain, Scott McFarland. Hello everyone out there in podcast world and or land, and welcome to, uh, I guess, Discovering Star Trek. It's only been a year. We're not quite dead. And we skipped a season of Discovery that was actually good, but what are you going to do? You know, maybe we'll get back around to it. Uh, we'll see. I still owe like three seasons of Twilight Zone, so, you know, maybe. Probably not. We'll see. So... I'm Scott, and with me tonight is... And this is Blake. Mike is deathly ill, and I think our other co-conspirator, Kevin, left the chat that we were on, so I'm not sure if he'll ever be back again. (laughs) Discovery scared him far, far away. Yeah, well, so we're not here to talk about Discovery, although, like I said, we may someday do that. Uh, We're here to talk about Star Trek Picard, which went live about... 24 to 36 hours ago. Um, So we're going to be talking about uh, first our impressions of what we were, we are, or would be looking forward to in this new series. Um, And then we'll talk about the first episode remembrance. Uh, We'll do a non-spoiler kind of discussion. Then we'll go deep in the spoilers. So if you haven't seen Star Trek Picard yet, because you don't want to pay for CBS all access or what the like, and you haven't stolen my password yet um, because some people have, Sorry, CBS. Um, you can stick with us for a little bit, and we won't get into spoilers until the end of this recording. So let's go ahead and get started, Blake, with um, uh, just a conversation about your interest level going in before the first episode of Picard. So I, my interest level going in was I was definitely interested to see it, but I was also really hesitant for it. Because I wasn't sure when they first announced that they were doing a Picard series, what direction it was going to go. And with that, because it's been so many years, I didn't want to see just a rehash of the next generation. You know, just a let's put the cast back out there, almost like a bad reunion series. And given some of the early production quality we saw from other recent Star Trek efforts, I was a little worried about where it might go and what shape it would take. But the more that came out about it, especially once they started releasing the first teasers of it, and then uh, really into the Children of Mars short track, um, I got more and more interested into seeing, okay, I think they're going somewhere new with this, uh, that this is actually going to be a decent story they're going to tell. Yeah, you know, I was pretty much in the same boat. I, uh, Since we actually did go over every episode of season one of Discovery, I was one of the ones who was pretty okay with discovery season one um but uh, i had my concerns but then season two which we have not discussed uh, i really enjoyed so i think um the writing staff has done a pretty good job of getting past the dark and gritty idea of what they were trying to make star trek and more into um what it used to be an optimistic view of the future uh, where there is still conflict, but at the end of the day, um, we have enough dark and gritty stuff. We need some stuff that actually shows that humanity can, you know, survive past 
where we are now. Um, I was pretty excited to see uh, uh, Patrick Stewart come back. TNG was never really my favorite track. Um, it was obviously the first one that I watched um, that was live when I was watching it. And I do remember seeing uh, all good things when it first aired as like a TV movie um, and enjoying that quite a bit. Um, I was there opening night for generations and everyone after that. But really aside from first contact um, and bits and pieces of the series, uh, I don't really go back to TNG that much. I'm much more of a DS9 guy. Uh, but um, I know Patrick Stewart is an amazing actor. Uh, I like the idea of coming back and seeing where he is and where everyone else is 20 years later. And so, yeah, I was excited for it. So let's uh, go ahead. I think that's one of the areas you and I have in common with Star Trek is because we were both around that same area that TNG was the first live one that we really watched, um, but we're both DS9 fans. Mm-hmm. And I would and, actually say I would actually say TOS for me is more so than TNG. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I grew up watching the original series on Betamax and on reruns, and uh, I still think I go back to TOS, especially seasons one and two, more than I go back to TNG. But yeah, DS9 definitely is my bread and butter, which I think is another reason why I like Picard and Discovery, because even though, as I mentioned, I much more like the optimistic view, the Gene Roddenberry view of what the future is, um, they do allow for that conflict that I think TNG was not allowing. Um, For me, TNG was much more on a whitewashed, just kind of you know, episode of the week, everyone's okay. We hit the reset button and we move forward. So I'm liking the idea of a serialized uh, Star Trek moving forward. Well, and I think that raises another thing because you and I have talked about this before, kind of on the expectations part, uh, looking at some of the early commentary that was out there um, around Star Trek, particularly after Patrick Stewart's uh, interview and in, what was it, Rolling Stone or Variety? Yeah, where he was talking about Brexit. Yeah, Brexit and the current state of affairs here. And there was quite a loud voice that was going on about Star Trek and how it shouldn't have these social justice pieces or it shouldn't have this social commentary piece. But even with you mentioning, you know, the whitewashing in uh, TNG, which is true, but even within there, I mean, there was glimmers of episodes. They took on, let's see, higher ground, wasn't it, with um, took on terrorism. Mm-hmm. They had yeah. issues in their measure of a man, drumhead, um, mm-hmm. that took on certain issues. Um, TOS took on massive social and cultural issues. Um, I would argue DS9 was the leader out of all the series in that, because, I mean, they took on religion, war, terrorism, so much within DS9. But, I mean, this is not new ground for Star Trek. So, Yeah, no, I I agree. And I always find it funny that, you know, people like, oh, I don't want, Star Trek doesn't need to, like, beat me over the head with politics. Like, you realize there was a TOS episode where you had, two guys fighting each other because one had black on one side of his face and the other had black on another side of his face. We haven't really been, you know, subtle with <laughs> the commentary yeah. in Star Trek ever. Star Trek six <laughs> was a two hour commentary on the end of the cold war, which I would still say Star Trek six, is my favorite Star Trek movie, but that's a whole another story for another day. Um, okay. Which ironically, I think we're going to see a lot of correlation between Star Trek six as we already kind of discussed offline yeah. and Picard. So, Let's move right into Picard then. So 
without spoilers, because again, I, uh, for those who haven't seen the episode yet, you're spoiler free, uh, for right now. And we'll tell you when we're going to get into spoilers. Um, let's discuss the episode a little bit and just kind of give our review of what we think of it. Okay. You want to start off with this one or no, go right ahead. Okay. Um, so the one thing I would comment with the episode, uh, overall I liked it. I think it just like discovery. It was a very solid start for a series. Um, cause we've talked about that. So I'm looking at the various pilot episodes of series. I think it was a solid start. I think it was a bit of a slow start, but I think that's intentional to the tone and tenor that they're trying to set with the series. Um, so I'm not necessarily saying that as a negative thing. It, it's building the story to where things are now. And, and I think that's an okay thing. Um, visually, the series looked great. I think they took great care to work in pieces and show where this was in continuity, where this was with timeline. Um, you had some really good establishing shots in there of various scenes that um, I'm trying not to do the spoilers here of what these scenes were. But yeah, no, well, it's going to be well, kind of difficult. But well, yeah. they were in the trailer. So, I mean, you saw the Enterprise D. Yeah, um, in the last trailer, we did see that. Yeah, so you saw that in the last trailer. And that was the true Galaxy class. They didn't screw with that at all. You've seen in the trailers Picard in uniform, and it's the TNG uniform. So, you know, there's bits and pieces that have shown up through the trailers that you can see. They've taken great care to place this series and show where it's at. It's definitely prime timeline. It's all, it's all the continuity pieces. So all in all, I would say a solid effort to get started. Yeah, you know, and I, I think the the pilot episodes of Star Trek, because you're right, I mean, especially with TNG and Deep Space Nine, and I'm not really a Voyager fan, but I, I would probably say the same thing with Voyager, uh, and definitely Enterprise. Season ones of shows have been hit or miss. And in fact, I think TNG, people would argue, probably didn't hit stride until Best of Both Worlds, which was the end of season two, right? Three. Or season three. In season three. Yeah, and you're right there because one, well, Code of Honor. Yeah, but it also had Measure of a Man, which we're yes. going to be talking about a lot. So, But for most, it was hit or miss until about season three. Um, Enterprise, same way. DS9, same way. Um, but I think gradually the pilots have been getting better. I still mm-hmm. say um, Discovery had a great pilot, even though I didn't like the turn it took in terms of um, Michael being completely stupid and not understanding how, you know, war works, but whatever. But, I mean, even with Enterprise, um, Broken Bow is one of the best pilots of the shows. And we can't really say too much about how this one's going to fit in, but based on what we saw with this pilot, it's extremely good. Um, there, you mentioned it was cinematic. I think that's one of the things that these new showrunners, uh, Kurtzman and the like, bring to these series that wasn't in much of Star Trek before. Uh, same way with Discovery. Whether you like it or not, it is shot really well. Mm-hmm. It is much more shot like a movie than a TV series, which is what they need to do nowadays because people are spoiled. TV shows and streaming shows are usually higher quality than movies anymore. And so they, they had to up their game, and they did. Well, I think uh, even Frakes and uh, Brent Spiner commented on that because there were some interviews with them where they commented on what the production value of this show is, mm-hmm. um, which it's no secret their involvement. They've yeah, no. been in the trailers. But they were commenting on the production value of this show versus when they were doing the week-to-week TNG episode, which I think what they said was a budget of around $2 million an episode? Yeah, probably. It was one of the highest budgeted film, uh, series 
Yeah, uh, it was doing gangbusters on syndication. And, uh, and I think they so. budgeted that for the trailers on this one. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Um, and of course, it's it's 20 years removed. Uh, we now have our 25 more years removed. We now can do a lot more with CGI. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the ability to do more. They are using the camera in ways that no one has done in Star Trek before on a TV show. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the first uh, opening scene, which I won't go into detail yet, but there is just the way they angle the camera on Patrick Stewart's face when he's going through what he's going through and they kind of do a Dutch angle on that. Mm-hmm. T and she never did that. No. So it's, it's much more advanced, but I think they do a very good job uh, of making the connection. So if you have never seen TNG, you're not going to be overly lost yet. Um, there'll be some stuff that goes over your head, but I think the, the, the show does enough to kind of give you exposition, ex, exposition to um, keep you up to speed on what's going on. But if you are a TNG fan or somebody who's at least watched it, there's a lot in here that you're going to enjoy. There's a lot of little Easter eggs, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, and there's a lot of co- connections. I mean, really, the last scene of All Good Things connects directly to the first scene of Picard mm-hmm. in some ways. So there's a, it's really good in terms of making that connection. So I guess in general, you and I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> That's about all we can say. Uh, at the moment. So what we're going to do. Well, if I can add one more thing just on the camera. And and this is spoiler free still, but this is a lot like discovery in that. And we established in season one is with these shortened seasons, this one's going to be 10 episodes, I believe is what they've announced. Yes. Yes. And season two has been announced. Yes. That they are not wasting shots. Yes. So that's the other piece with the cinematic detail on this is, I mean, you have to watch an episode I think I've watched it three times. I don't know about you. Um, I've only watched it once so far, but I'm going to do a rewatch here tomorrow. But going through, because they don't waste shots. If they're going to take time to frame something and make it something more than just a passing piece of background, I mean, they're being very detail-oriented with that in this, too. Mm -hmm. And that's I've said this when I talk about TV a lot, is I think the best thing that's happened when it comes to streaming is – the the lack of the, the the no longer the need for filler episodes. You don't need to fill a half year of TV. So even the best seasons of D Space Nine had a lot of filler. You're not going to have that with uh a, and actually Patrick Stewart said it a ten hour movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to go from point A to point B, and we shouldn't have to worry about that. That being said, and I think we were kind of said this a little bit. It is very much a slow burn. Uh, with episode one. And from what I have heard, it's going to be a slow burn until about episode three. So, um, well, and they announced early on, they were, it was almost, I think it was Frake said it was almost, uh, in chapters. But episodes yeah. one through three and, were chapter one, mm-hmm. four, five, and six would be the net, and then the last chunk. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see that. And I think it's, it's a, I think it's a good move. We can't just jump into Picard's life 20 years later, 25 years later. Um, I keep saying 20 or 25. It's 20 from Nemesis. It's 25 from All Good Things. So mm-hmm. whatever you want to decide. 
Um, but we can't just drop into his life um, without understanding what's going on with him, but also do some world building so we can understand where the Federation is and where the galaxy is at this point. Because really, aside from the, the Spock monologue in 2009 Star Trek, we haven't been to the prime universe since Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of world building is going on too. But let's go ahead. For those who haven't seen the episode yet, drop off now because we're going to dive into spoilers. Uh, we're going to talk about the episode in detail. And then what we'll do is we will come back um, next week and we will talk about episode two and we'll continue to uh, hopefully drive down this, uh, this road through the 10 se- uh, episodes. I still hate that CBS doesn't let me binge the whole damn thing in one night, but I'll live for 10 weeks. I'll be fine. So, okay, we're going to drive into – I hate to drive. This is what happens when it's past midnight and I'm recording a podcast. We're going to move into spoilers uh, now. So as I kind of mentioned, what I really liked about the first scene – I want to talk a lot about the first scene, which is the, the dream scene or the nightmare scene, depending on what you want to talk about it. But I love the connection that we ended all good things with Picard sitting down for the first time to play poker. Mm-hmm. And he says, I should have done this a long time ago. And then we dive into the next scene in Picard, and he is telling Data, or the figment of his imagination Data, I don't want the game to end. So yeah. it's amazing to have that connection between the two series to start it out with. Well, and this is where we talked also about the, you know, we saw the exterior pass of the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. And this scene takes place in 10 forward. Yes. And a beautiful recreation they did of it. I mean, this was, as we mentioned kind of in the spoiler-free section, they took attention to the details. This is the Enterprise that if you watch TNG, you knew and you saw. Yeah. If anyone's going to argue with me, and most of you who are listening don't even know what I'm talking about, but if anyone's going to argue with me about an alternate license, I'm going to punch them in the face. Because this is a direct sequel to TNG. There is no alternate license. It it was not 25% different. No, no. It was, it was prettier because we can do more. That was a shiny think, enterprise. You did mention the, 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 it's on the Enterprise D, it's in 10 forward, but we realized fairly quickly that this is a dream because we're seeing like, events that happened long after the Enterprise D was gone, mm-hmm. and we see the attack on Mars. Which well, was, Data's you know, in the first contact era uniform too, which he never, which he didn't wear, wear until he was on the Enterprise E. You're right, yeah. Because even in Generations, he had the um, jumpsuit. I can't remember. If, yeah, I can't remember if he was on the T, the TNG uh, uh, uniform or if he was wearing a DS9 uniform. I think that he movie, had but. both on in that actually. That was the weirdest thing with that movie, which we don't want to talk about that movie right now. But there, the costume design in that is just weird. But <laughs> um, well, and then there was the toy costume too that they never shot. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, the if you ever bought the Generation Action figures, they were in the new uniforms that yeah. they had made, and they just decided not to use. But yeah, so we see the attack on Mars, which is obviously going to be the main driving point for at least the first part of this se- season, if not the whole season. And the idea that we've, we've when we first learned about this with the Children of Mars, um, the short trek a few weeks ago, that uh, rogue synths uh, have supposedly attacked Mars and destroyed Utopia Planitia shipyards, uh, which is pretty big. For one, it says there's about 90,000 people who died when this attack happened. Uh, But also every single ship that you know 
from the TNG era on came from Utopia Planitia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enterprise D, as we said, Enterprise E, the Defiant, the Voyager. Um, for three years, Commander Cisco was in charge of Utopia Planitia. That's where he helped design the Defiant. So this is a major part of Trek that has been blown up before we even got there. I will say that's another, I think they learned in this one, um, the importance of scale mm-hmm. um, with that attack, with the number of people that they listed as killed. Cause I think that was one of our complaints going back. The other one yes, is, you know, you want us to believe this is like this huge, terrible thing, but the scale isn't there. I think this time this, they put the scale into it. Yeah. You, you mean having the Klingon Federation war last for like six episodes and not see anyone die and do anything with it. And they listed numbers of what? I think it was an episode they mentioned 8,000 people. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah. good, that's great. So uh, let's let's keep moving for the episode, but I do want to come back to this whole synth thing, but I think we want to hit on it a little bit more before we get there. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Picard in general throughout the episode where we find him at. This is a, this is a 79-year-old Patrick Stewart and a 79-year-old Picard. Um, he has left Starfleet. And as we learn, he leaves Starfleet because, in part, the attack on Utopia Planitia, because part of what Utopia Planitia was doing was building a fleet to rescue, rescue Romulans uh, from the impeding, impeding um, I can't speak, um, supernova, which I still don't understand how a supernova can ha- take out multiple star systems, but we're just going to let that go. I'm going to stop my nitpicking on the supernova. Uh, but, he fired the Death Star. It went the wrong direction. Yep, whatever. But if uh, so, when Utopia Planitia is destroyed, the Federation and Starfleet says we just lost a lot of ships. We do not have the ability to handle this rescue effort anymore. So we're not going to be involved anymore. And as we learn, Picard uh, stood up for his beliefs and said we we cannot do this and quit his commission as admiral. And that's where we find him today, living at Chateau Picard. So what do you feel about Patrick Stewart's work with this character and where we find Picard 20-some-odd years after Nemesis? Well, Patrick Stewart said some of the inspiration with this was uh, the Professor Xavier character in Logan. Mm-hmm. And what would that be with Picard? So I definitely think that was the And the more you watch this episode, you get that feeling. Uh, this is a Picard who is feeling that the Starfleet that exists now is not the one he served. Mm-hmm. That he, and I, they didn't expressly say it, but it's almost like he's carrying a sense of failure. Um, oh, I think so. Because the two Romulans that he's got uh, living with him um, that were from the Countdown comics you mentioned mm-hmm. um, that are staying at the Chateau with him. Basically, as he was getting ready to go into this television interview, which that was a great job of setting up some of the history for those that yeah. haven't seen TNG. Um, great way to work that in is he's going in to give this interview and they tell him, don't forget who you are. We don't forget what you did. And, you know, go be the captain. People need you to or remember you. Mm-hmm. As. And yeah, he goes and he- into this interview and the, and the interviewer starts, pre- you know, typical, you know, press type portrayal. Who's a Bajoran, by the way. Goes into the question she wasn't supposed to ask. Because they said, oh, she's not, three times we confirmed it, not going to ask why you left Starfleet. (laughs) And there it goes. And then you kind of see this almost awakening into 
from this, you know, broken Jean-Luc Picard into that forceful answer he gave of because it wasn't Starfleet anymore. And that's who starts to see that that fire of Jean-Luc Picard was still there. It, it, it reminded me when he made, because for one, there's definitely a lot of PTSD there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he is is feeling the loss of life, not only with the attack on Mars, but also I'm assuming the millions of Romulans who probably weren't saved before all this happened. We know obviously that there are Romulans still around, but I'm going to guess we're going to find out that a lot of them didn't make it. Um, but when he starts talking about what Starfleet used to be, it very much reminded me of there are four lights. He got yeah. very intense and it's, mm-hmm. it's something well, that Patrick Stewart does so well. Well, you know, the interview, he had the bright lights, all of that piece mm-hmm. there for that same forceful response. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the, 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 I, I appreciate that we're seeing an arc because it would have been very easy for them to just kind of drop him into the action and say, okay, he's right back to where it was. But we're seeing a, an old and broken man having to climb out of his basically shell that he has built around him for so many years. One of the scenes that kind of really hit that home was, um, for one, he's no longer an action hero. Um, this is not the Picard driving the doom buggy on the planet in Nemesis. When he's running up the, oh God, yes. But when he's running up the stairs with Dodge later on and he's winded after a few steps, I mean, it's like, this is, we have to realize this is not the same Picard. He is much older and he's going to be handling things differently than what he has. But I'm liking, I'm liking even in the first episode, seeing him kind of, um, find himself again. Well, I still think we're going to see a bit more of a change because there was, after that scene, when he was back at the Chateau, and what was the exact wording of it? It was, uh, I've asked nothing of myself. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting to die. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've all known people like that who get in their older years and just kind of, it's okay, my best years are behind me, and now I'm just kind of waiting for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing that for a long time, because uh, you know we can even go back to the TNG episode "Family," which happened right after "Best of Both Worlds," where he's talking about potentially staying on Earth, maybe running the Atlantis project in, under the ocean, and he realizes that that's not for him. He cannot be Earthbound, and so that he spent these two decades or so doing exactly what he didn't want to do. Um, he has been just kind of waiting there for something to happen. Although from family to now, the wine business has been good because Chateau Picard got a hell of an upgrade. Yes, it did. Uh, <laughs> but he doesn't have the beard that yeah. he had in all good things. That's, that's the one thing I'm missing. Um, so I think it's pretty much understandable that this, this show centers around Patrick Stewart and the fact that he is an amazing actor, even at 79 years old. And, um, it's 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 fun to watch this growth, but there's also other characters that we're running into. Um, I guess let's talk about the other main character that we have so far in the fact, and that is the twins. Uh, mm-hmm. For most of it, we do see Dodge, um, and then we see her twin sister at the very end, which I think we'll deal with more obviously in a little bit uh, in episodes to come. 
But uh, let's talk about this character and what we learn about this character. So, yeah, and that's the, it's some of us had thought beforehand when we first saw Dodge in the trailers, I think it was it you and I that were mentioning and we discussed, you know, is this lol? I don't, I don't think it was me because I always thought she was going to be Borg. I, I assumed from the get-go that she was going to be some kind of Borg. Okay, that's right, because it was someone, it was a friend of mine at work that we were talking and mentioned that uh, with Data's uh, daughter from TNG when he created another android. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was lol was this lol and when dodge first goes to jean-luc at the chateau and says all i know in my mind is i am safe with you mm-hmm. and and i'm gonna spoil a little bit later because what we learn later is most likely a creation of bruce maddox yes um and bruce maddox going back to measure of a man from tng season one was the person who was arguing that data was property, not a person and Picard arguing. I mean, in one of those just early passionate Patrick Stewart speeches that define TNG in the first season. Yeah. Arguing that data was sentient. So you get this, you know, person showing up saying, you know, I could do these things. It just came to my mind what to do, but everything that tells me that tells me I'm safe with you. And then Picard goes to, they go to sleep that night and Picard has another dream of data this time painting a picture out in the vineyard Mm -hmm. and data looks at him and says, would you like to finish it? And Picard says, I don't know how data's response is that's not true. And it's the picture that's hanging above, above Picard's mantle. The second of which is apparently admirals get their own libraries at the Starfleet archives. Which I want, I want to spend time talking about that in detail, so go right ahead, but yeah. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah, I figured that, you the, might. The nostalgia room? Yes. Yes. So Picard goes to his little archive room at Starfleet, and there's the copy of the paper, or of this painting, oil on canvas, and it is Dodge in the painting. And the painting although, is titled Daughter. Although I will argue the painting also, if... If you look at how Lol's form was chosen in the episode mm-hmm. of TNG and you look at Dodge, yes. there is certainly a resemblance. Well, I, I think I, they I played think on that intentionally. Yeah, and and this is more theory crafting than anything right now, but I think what we also find out is Maddox, who also we, we heard about Maddox later on um, in Data's Day another episode later on the series, he's writing notes to Maddox. Mm -hmm. So they've kept the communication going. So, and we learned that Maddox is in charge of the Daystrom Institute's um, AI slash synthetic uh, portion of the, uh, the science research and all that. We find out that Maddox um, and I, the science behind this, again, I'm going to turn my nitpicky head off because it's, it's really stupid, but I guess he uses one little bit of circuitry from data and is able to, using fractals, expand that out to a new being, whatever. It makes but more I think sense than mushrooms. It does. Yes, the spore drive is, yes, I'll, I'll give you that. But if we assume that, okay, it's technology 500 years in the future, I don't get it, fine. Um, the, I, I think there is definitely more consciousness of data that is still in these two characters. And I say two because as we haven't even mentioned yet, we're pretty sure Dodge is potentially dead mm-hmm. uh, and that her twin is continuing on. Uh, but unless you see a body, the person's not dead. That's well, comic the question, rules. Even with Dodge, though, uh, they mentioned 
uh, when Picard kind of woke up from being blown across the rooftop, yeah, that the security cameras didn't show anybody with him. They showed very good no point. one there. So yeah, there's a question there over what went because I don't quite buy the one as well. Maybe she had a personal cloaking device. Yeah, there's some weird stuff, and I want to get into that here in a minute. But just real quick on the Maddox thing, um, I think there's more of consciousness of data involved here than we're being led to believe right now. Mm-hmm. Because I think um, she, if she was formed from his um, essence or what have you, I think she was formed in the image that he had selected. And that goes back into the painting because even the um, the EMH uh, – uh, museum hologram points out that that painting was made 30 years ago back in on the enterprise D. Mm-hmm. So um, there's no way unless there's time travel involved. And I don't think it is that she could look like that painting unless there is more of data making the determination of what she looks like when she was created. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to find that. Um, Which is again why I go back to the, I'm not saying Dodge is lol, but I think lol was definitely a template. And I think maybe if they could have gone back and got an actress um, of that age that looked more like Lol than they could have. But I mean, I think that's what they're going for. I think it's probably the same kind of look and aesthetic and uh, that we had back then. I'm interested to find out because we know Maddox is going to show up sooner or later. I'm interested if they're going to get the uh, the actor from season one to show up or if they're going to you know go out and find somebody else. Um, but yeah, so. Where were we? Um, the uh, archive room, I think, is where you were. Yeah, sure. The one thing I wanted to hit on that, I mean, obviously there's a lot of Easter eggs in there. We see a lot. We see the Stargazer, Picard's first command. We see the captain's yacht from Insurrection, the Enterprise E. Uh, but a lot of the things I, I, I noticed are dealing with parts of his life where he is being a rebel. Mm-hmm. And I say that because the captain's yacht is shown very prominently and that's from Star Trek Insurrection, where he gives up his command uh, in Starfleet uh, again, or for the first time. But then even the Picard Day banner was from the episode Pegasus, which is another time where he defies a ranking officer in Starfleet. It, well, was it in Pegasus? It was. Because with the episode before, it was an earlier episode, too, where... Uh, yeah, Disaster. Yeah, Disaster. So disaster was the first Picard. Yes, disaster was the first Picard day, but there wasn't a banner. Okay. And then if you go watch Pegasus, uh, and I don't even know why I remember this, but if you go watch Pegasus, that's when that banner shows up. Okay. In season seven. So I don't know if they're trying to say something there, but it's interesting that most of what we're seeing there is times when he wasn't really, you know, following the by the book Starfleet, and that's kind of what we're seeing here in this story. Same with the Batleth. Uh, that comes from him basically helping to decide the new chancellor of the Klingon empire, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So it's just interesting, but there's a lot of stuff in that room that, uh, and I, I like the way that they didn't beat you over the head the whole episode with, this is a continuation. So again, if you come into this cold and you hadn't watched TNG, you can get what's going on. But just that one scene in that room is for all of us nerds. Like, look, we remember you. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Here's the Stargazer. It's okay. Here's the Sovereign Class Enterprise-E. Have a nice day. Um, and again, they didn't change any of it. No. It, it's, it's, 
that Stargazer model, I'm pretty sure, is the Playmates toy <laughs> just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Enterprise E, uh, because it's my favorite ship, I noticed, is actually the version from First Contact because it's a little bit more stocky mm-hmm. in the uh, the secondary hull section. Uh, it gets a lot more streamlined, streamlined when you get to Instruction and Nemesis. So that's the original Enterprise E there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot in that room that just is, you can just freeze frame it and enjoy it, but it really doesn't mean anything moving forward. So you don't have to know what's in that room to figure it out. So that part is the models in that room are probably better quality than the studio models they use to film. I wouldn't doubt it at all. Wouldn't doubt it at all. So as you've already mentioned, we, we run into Dodge a couple times. Um, she does get them done blowed up. Um, by some Romulan assassins. A couple of things I wanted to hit on with her before we move on, basically, I think, to what's happening next, is there is some interesting stuff that is laid out that I think is we're going to find that what we saw in episode one isn't exactly what we were told we saw. We saw. As you already mentioned, they said that she doesn't show up on the cameras, and I don't think Picard was able to fight off three Romulan assassins by himself, so something happened there. But also when she calls her mom, which we know is not her mom, but when she calls her mom, the mom says, go to Picard, he'll help you. And Mm -hmm. she points out, I didn't even tell you I was there and you don't even know who this guy is. So somebody is trying to direct them to Picard. The question I have is, is it for positive benefit of her or negative benefit? Are they trying to send her to Picard because they want Picard involved in this for whatever reason, or because they truly believe that he's the only one that can help her? Um, and I'm, I'm really thinking it's the latter. I mean, the yeah. former that um, I think that whoever's kind of moving these chess pieces right now um, is doing so not for the benefit of Picard. I think they need him involved for some reason. Uh, and part of that is just because of good story writing. I don't want Picard to just be a character who's being pushed along the plot. Mm-hmm. I want him involved in the plot. But it's it's just we we kind of see it at the uh, the end of the episode two in the board cube. Um, it's obvious that the uh, the one Romulan talking to the the twin is not there for positive gain. <laughs> he's he's there trying to cause some trouble. Mm-hmm. So I think there is much more going on than we have seen. And I'm rambling now because it's, you know, way too late at night. But what I'm getting at is um, I don't think everything we were shown in this episode is what we were, what actually happened. Yeah. And and I think, you know, we mentioned that earlier scene and to go back to that and the comment made earlier about they don't waste shots with these, with these shows. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go back to TNG. And I think it was, what was it? Cause and effect. That's one with Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. And, you know, the Enterprise is stuck in a causality loop, and uh, they find a way for Data to send a message to himself. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways he does that is he sends the number three, telling him that, you know, follow Riker's suggestion because he has the The three three rank. Yep, yep. And one of the things Data did was deal himself a hand of cards. It was all threes uh, when they were playing poker. Mm -hmm. And you watch that shot. And for no other, for no reason, they panned in on the hand that Data had mm-hmm. um, in this dream sequence, flashback sequence, whatever you want to call it. And Data lays down five queens of hearts. I don't think that's going to be insignificant. I don't know what it means. 
But the way they establish things and the way they've played with the shots of this series and blocked things out, I don't think they showed that just for the hell of it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I have my little theory on that, but yeah. I'm, I'm thinking something to do with board queens. Yeah. That, I mean, a, as we hear from Allison Pill's character, which I forgot her name, but she's going to be a main character moving forward, um, they, they derived the synths and, as we find out, the twins from – a piece of data. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a piece of data that they got from Star Trek Nemesis because he got irradiated and evaporated when he mm-hmm. when he was gone. So my thought is that um, he was probably sampled when he was on the Borg uh, ship in first contact. Mm-hmm. So I, I think definitely that because the Borg are at play here and everything else, that there's going to be a correlation there between that whatever happened between him and the queen when he was in engineering and first contact, I, I completely mm-hmm. agree with that. So, and you know, with the Borg, what we still have yet to see is we know seven of nine is showing up mm-hmm. in this at some point. We know Jonathan Del Arco is coming back as Hugh mm-hmm. at some point in this. Um, although what we've seen in the trailers of Hugh is uh, his Borg components removed. Yeah, he looks more like 709, but a little less, you know, cleaned up. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes, because if you go back to the Hugh story arc, where they may have got some of this is uh, Descent 1 and 2, mm-hmm. uh, where you had Lore leading a group of rogue Borg. Mm-hmm. And they captured data, and there was experiments on data at that point, and Hugh was there. So there's another potential avenue where some of this may come into play. And he wasn't very happy with our our heroes because when they when they took him in Iborg and gave him his um his independence, it turned into um not what they were expecting. It mm-hmm. it almost caused um insanity to run amok in the Borg collective and it left them um it left him in a place where he actually says in dissent, because I watched that last night after watching this, that um, he wishes he had never found the Enterprise crew. He wishes he had just continued on the way he was. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he is these two decades later. And I love the fact that they got the same actor to play him. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and we obviously, speaking of the board connection, we end this episode on a board cube. Um, which is being ran by Romulans. Uh, and it is, um, it looks like they're using it for mining of the technology and the equipment. Uh, you see part of the, the cube has been kind of um, taken apart. It doesn't seem to be a cube that we have dealt with before because it doesn't look like it has done, had much battle damage. It looks like it's just kind of been used for scrap over the years. And that um, that is not, this is not the first time that this writing crew has dealt with that. Um, as you mentioned, there was a countdown comic for Picard. There was also a countdown comic before 2009 Star Trek. And they point out in that comic that the Naranda, which is the Romulan mining vessel that goes back in the past and destroys the Kelvin, is the main ship of Nero throughout the 2009 movie, has augmented board tech which is why it's so advanced even for the TNG era. So the Romulans have been playing with Borg technology for quite some time. Um, so I'll be interested to see how 
that all pans out. One of the things I really liked, another little callback, actually, to the original series, is if you listen to the music playing when they pan out from the Borg Cube, and actually that's, that pan out scene is almost taken from First Contact, where you start with Picard as Locutus and pull out. Mm-hmm. The music playing is the original Romulan theme from TOS, specifically... Um, uh, uh, oh, my goodness. What episode? Wasn't it Balance of Terror? Thank you. My brain died. But it was Balance of Terror and the, the, the theme going throughout that musically, and that's the same theme they play. Uh, so it's very fun that they're kind of tying that together as well, too. Anything else you want to talk about the episode before we go into what we think is going to happen? Uh, no, I think we can go into going forward. Okay, before I fall asleep, positive. Um, so as we said, this is a 10-episode season. Uh, episode 2 will come out uh, here in a few days. So... Um, Let's just talk about what, what we're expecting from the series, maybe our theories and what we're hoping to see, and maybe a little bit, too, what we're hoping we don't see. So go ahead. So I think what I'm hoping to see from, from this series, and you kind of touched on it earlier, um, the correlations between this and Star Trek VI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, Star Trek VI was, there was the explosion on the Klingon moon, and it led, on, it led to the opening of uh, peace talks. And there was factions within just about everybody that did not want this to happen and kind of conspired to assassinate the president and the chancellor to try to make or cause trouble in this. Mm-hmm. Enter, you know, the Enterprise and the Excelsior, and you have a movie from Nicholas Meyer. But within the context of this one, you heard it within the reporter that was asking Picard the questions. Um, very much, you know, well, we're helping our enemy. It's Romulan lives. These resources could have been used to help our people, which kind of sets up in, in the, in the tradition of Star Trek framing current, you know, nationalist issues, mm-hmm. you know, another, uh, reviewer group was wanting to know, you know, how can you have a Federation of planets that's isolationist and nationalist? This is how, yeah, um, this is how it looks. And, and they're doing that well. I think what we're going to see through the series is um, Picard go from the broken person he was at the start of this. And we started to see that kind of glimmer of him coming back into Jean-Luc for one last uh, mission. Um, Because by the end of it, he was ready to go. Not, Mm -hmm. not, not fully, but he was getting more towards that. Yeah. Captain that we've known. And I think that's the line that was there for be the captain. People remember you. And, and even in the previews for going forward, one of the Romulans looks at him and says, I hear you like to make speeches. So I think <laughs> we're going to get some of those great moments of Picard stating the morality of the future and yeah. stating what the values and the principles of Starfleet are. And I think, I hope that's what we see. Um, I know the show has um, potentially more flashbacks with data. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. Data is going to play into this. What I don't want to see them do. Um, and, and I'm comfortable Brent Spiner said this is not happening. They are not changing, cheapening, or lessening Data's sacrifice in Nemesis. What I'm very happy for, because, again, that Countdown comic in 2009 is not canon because it's not on film, but also it's not canon because in the Countdown comic, Data, as before, Mm -hmm. was the captain of the Enterprise-E when the supernova hit. Obviously, that didn't happen, and I'm very happy about that. Yeah, me too. That it wasn't as easy as we thought it was going to be at the end of Nemesis before it did not just become data. In fact, he got literally shelved. Yeah. And, and you uh, go in there with that. Too. The one thing I will say, because before at the end of Nemesis started humming blue skies, 
And that has been a theme that's kind of played through this show too, to connect all this together with that recurring yeah. um, blue skies. But the other thing I hope we don't see with this, and it's, you know, we know data is going to come back or at least Brent Spiner is going to be some appearance, whether it be flashback or however it gets woven in. Um, we know Riker and Troy are appearing um, in this and they just announced Whoopi Goldberg has been asked for season two uh, mm-hmm. to come back as Guinan. Um, and Patrick Stewart has said, and I think uh, Mike Siobhan and Akiva uh, Goldsmith has said the same thing is they would love to have the TNG cast come back, but they only want to do it if there's a way that it makes sense. Yeah. And I hope they stick to that. I don't want to see the, you know, cheap return uh, TV reunion movie that they do after the series ended just to placate fans <laughs> that yeah. I don't want to see. If if you're waiting to see the entire crew on the bridge of a starship, uh, you're not going to see it. And we need to just move past that. If you are <laughs> expecting that the, the only way, and I would say, cause they've talked about this being a three season run potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just looking out to where, you know, I think the natural conclusion is if there is that reunion of that cast, of that core cast is it is the funeral of Jean-Luc. Anything less than that. I think the way they've set this up, anything less than that cheapens everything they're doing before it. I think you're right. And um, I think the, the cameos we're going to get are going to make sense because as the, the premiere that they had uh, showed the first three episodes and everything we're hearing he's really not going to leave for space until episode three, probably the end of episode three. So I think episode two is going to be, as you mentioned, him making the decision to, to go out there for one last mission. And I think that's where Riker and Troy are going to come into play. He's probably going to go try to get advice from friends and make sure he's just not being a crazy old codger codger going off Mm -hmm. on some kind of half cocked mission. Um, but, um, I'm interested to see how Jerry Ryan plays into his seven and nine. I'm hoping she's not a cameo. Uh, I think uh, even though I'm not a Voyager fan, I think she's a really good actress. Um, well, even within within the shit show that was Voyager, Voyager was seven years of season one hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say Jerry Ryan, um, what the producers did with her character in Voyager was criminal. Mm hmm. Um, they they put her on the screen for eye candy. But let's yeah. be honest, that's what they did. But and she is not wearing a bodysuit this time. But you look at the scene she was in. You look at the, some of the roles she played. The, I just watched one the other day that was uh, they recovered the piece of Borg tech, and she started showing the multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. You know, she had some brilliant moments on that show that the producers just wasted. Yeah. So I hope uh, they bring that out here. Yeah, and I like the idea of. Um, of bringing folks in, as you mentioned, where it makes sense. So um, I bet you we are going to see a few more that we haven't been told yet. Um, I, I have no doubt. I think we're going to see LeVar Burton sooner or later as Jordy. Mm-hmm. I think we're also going to see Michael Dorn show up as Worth um, in this season, just because I think those two of all the TNG cast have been the ones who have been willing to do more with Star Trek Mm-hmm. Obviously, Dorn did DS9, but he was pushing for years to do his own Worf show. And then LeVar Burton has done Voyager. He's done a lot of directing. He's directed Enterprise. I'm pretty sure he directed episode Discovery. Mm-hmm. So he's been very much involved in this, too. So I think I will see those guys again. Um, I'm really hoping to see Jordy a- as one of those captains of a starship. I think that's where we'll, we'll see some of that happen. What about um, Crusher? 
I mean, do you think they can, do you think they can avoid it? I mean, seriously, do you think they could avoid having Crusher at least at some point? I have heard rumor that Gates McFadden did not want to come back and we're actually going to learn uh, that she's no longer with us, but that's just a rumor. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I think we have to find out something with Crusher uh, obviously in the all good things timeline, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Picard and her were married for a time and then were divorced. But if Crusher is still out there, I don't see, I don't see Picard getting stuck at his winery for 20 years. So I think something had to happen. There. Yeah. Um, I also want to see Will Wheaton show up again. Uh, he is running the after Trek, uh, sh- uh, show now they have on CBS all access and his, I think he would be very interesting to see as a, as a character who comes back because of his uh, storyline, but also mm-hmm. it'd be nice to give him a send off uh, because he's got a lot of traumatic experience with that show. And yeah. I think le- giving him the ability to kind of come in and do his own thing and uh, leave on his own accord, as opposed to being shunted off as he was in the show, I think would be very helpful too. I, I think that'd be fun. Um, well, I think there was a discussion. I can't remember which one of the comic cons it was. I've watched the YouTube of it, but it was a reunion panel that they did with the whole cast. And there was a pretty lengthy section. I think about 10, 15 minute discussion um, around Will Wheaton, his role with the show. And, and he was there and contributing to those conversations and listening to some of that was kind of interesting. So I think you're right there. And I think the cast would welcome him in to give him that chance. Oh, I think so. And we kind of got that in Nemesis, and there were some deleted scenes we actually didn't get to see of that. But and another character I want to see from TNG uh, is I do want to see Rolo Loren come back, if possible, because that that storyline was not um, was not closed. And you mentioned that the episode where they dealt with terrorism and the fact that she uh, betrayed Picard. And this actually, I think, was the last episode before the season finale. Mm-hmm. She betrayed Picard and went off uh, to help the Bajoran people of the planet that she was on. Um, uh, she joined with the Maquis at that point. Yeah, the Maquis, yes. Which got wiped and, out in DS9, so I don't know. Well, in, 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 in the books, which of course is not canon, she actually <laughs> does come back into the fold. And for a while there, Ro Loren was supposed to be here in the Reese. Yeah. Kira Norris was created when the actress who played Roe did not want to do another series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was, she was played off as basically a daughter of Picard. And when she betrayed him, I think it'd be interesting to see them come back together and see what happens there. Yeah. So we'll see. That's another one I like to see come back. And the final one, I, I don't know why we got this down the stream, but I'm just listing off cameos now. Um, I want to see John Delancey back. I want to see Q back. Maybe not this season, but I definitely want to see Q back. I think if you're going to have Guinan in season two, yep, there's I an opportunity right. there because, I mean, you want to go to some of the great arguments in TNG. It was Guinan and Q. God, they hated each other. But did you see the one leaked photo that came out about six months ago? No. Okay. I'll send it to you after this, but it is a photo of uh, Patrick Stewart he seems to be kind of on a knee or something. And there is a red glove hand in front of his head. And it is very much a satiny red glove, like judge Q. And uh, it, it got leaked. I think it was actually probably in, it was actually in a magazine or something. And 
uh, you've never seen it again. They got shown and they kind of pulled it back. So I don't know, but um, I, I would like to see that happen too. But I agree with you that what I don't want to see happen is I don't want to have it go right back to TNG. I think we've gone past that. I want to see where this is going to go. My, my hope is that I'm, I'm okay with, and you've kind of talked me, talked me off the ledge on this one. I'm okay with the Federation becoming isolationist. I think um, that that's a good conversation to have. I hope at the end of this though, we don't go too far uh, down the road of just the Federation being something that is not worthwhile. And um, we know season three of discovery is going to deal with them going even farther into the future and the Federation being almost non-existent. So it'll be interesting to see if this ties to that more or if that's a whole different storyline that we're not going to deal with here. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I would say is um, going back to the whole idea of not everything is what it seems. I'm, I'm 99% sure we're going to find out that the synths were not the ones who attacked Planitia on their own. I think it yeah. was an inside job going back into Star Trek six and the idea that there are factions. I bet you uh, the Romulans and a faction of Starfleet Federation got together and said, we're not really keen on this whole working together thing. So let's work together anyway to cause trouble. Mm, which could open the door to 31 or any other number of mm-hmm. influences. Yep. So I think I've rambled enough. You got anything else you want to say? I think I'm good. Awesome. So we will continue to talk about this. Um, I'm looking forward to episode two. Um, and I, I think uh, we've got some good, uh, good show ahead of us. Um, we'll hopefully bring some more folks on uh, once we get moving here again. And Mike gets off his deathbed, but we can get him back involved too. And I've, um, because we are a sausage fest, I think I've recruited a female to join us here too. If uh, she decides to, do the show and we'll see what happens. Um, she said tonight that she was not ready for television. I said, well, we can just turn your video off. And she said, no. <laughs> so I'll see if I can con her into it. Uh, but she's a, uh, she's very much a TOS fan. So I think it'd be kind of fun to see her talk about this too. Um, okay. So we will go ahead and wrap this up. Um, I don't know how, the guys at the front row are ending their podcast now because I haven't done one in a while. So uh, see you next time. I guess we have a website, Google front and row network. Cause I don't know what the website is right now. I think it's tfrn.com. I think, sorry, Jeremy, you can voice over here if you want and give your closing. That'd be fine. <laughs> he won't, but he could. <laughs> Let's just go with this. Jeremy, make it so. Yes, there you go. Okay. Well, until next time, I'm Scott, and with me has been... And this has been Blake. And until next time, peace and long life. Discovering Star Trek is a production of the Front Row Network of Shows. For more information, go to www.thefrontrowmoviereviews.com.